Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. You will find this program to have your best interest at heart. You can help us to continue this library of educational topics to help you preserve your home and family. As a nonprofit organization, we would appreciate your monetary support. Here is your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. She authored the book, Patient Empowerment 101, More Than a Book, It's an Adventure. This book can serve as your personal journal of doctor visits, emergency room visits, and other health-related encounters. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician, and let's welcome this very nice lady to our show, Dr. Ann Hester. Thank you, Ann. Dr. Ann, I appreciate that uh, you took time to visit with us, and I appreciate your company. Before we get into our topic, uh, tell us a little bit about you and uh, the the impetus of uh, why you wrote this wonderful book entitled Patient Empowerment 101, if you would. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I am a board-certified internal medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. I have over 25 years of experience with direct patient care. I've taken care of patients in the office and in the hospital. And I saw a long time ago that there is a tremendous void between the way we think and the way patients think. We go to medical school. We learn, we spend years focused on science, math, and medical science and Mm -hmm. healthcare. Patients don't have a patient school. They've Mm -hmm. not been taught how to communicate with us on a very high level. And Mm -hmm. we've had a very paternalistic healthcare system where the doctor would tell the patient what to do and the patient would say yes and go home and may or may not do it. The Mm -hmm. times are changing and we need a completely different mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote Patient Empowerment 101, more than a book, it's an adventure to help patients understand the things that are really important from a doctor's standpoint and also a patient's standpoint. There are lots of charts and pictures. There's humor throughout the book. Mm -hmm. This is more like a conversation between a neighbor who happens to be a doctor and you than it is a book filled with medical jargon that you can't understand. Uh So the impetus was just trying to bridge the gap between doctors and patients and help patients center themselves where they deserve to be, which is right in the center of their healthcare team, empowered to make a huge impact on what happens to them. Yeah, I love that title, Patient Empowerment. I uh, I believe that uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I've gone to the doctor and, you know, uh, I do ask questions. I'm very involved uh, mm-hmm. in what goes on there. And I know, like you, you indicated, some folks, will, they just go along with uh, whatever the doctor says, you know, no questions asked, you know, that's right. Me, I'm not that way. I, I, I like to be uh, inquired. Why? Why that? You know, that sort of thing. That's just what you're supposed to do. That that's very important. I think so. My gosh! But how how do I prepare in advance? Then speaking of going to your doctor, how do I prepare to visit my doctor? First, there are several things. Mm-hmm. First of all, prioritize your concerns. Okay. If you're going for a routine blood pressure visit, have a blood pressure log. 
You should be keeping up with your blood pressures anyway, but have that ready to take with you to your visit. If you have diabetes, have a blood sugar log, but prioritize what's important to you. Because if your doctor is not able to spend much time with you during that visit, you don't want the most important thing to be far down on the list and mm-hmm. not get addressed. And you would have to make a follow-up visit to go back. Mm-hmm. So that would be the first thing. Also, I like people to really pay attention to this and jot down some notes. There are eight key elements when you go to see a doctor Mm -hmm. that the doctor may want to know for a new problem. Now, these eight elements are linked to insurance payments and they are strongly related to what is wrong with you. They will help your doctor dwindle down the list of possible diagnoses. And so they have a dual function. They help the doctor figure out what's going on. And also when the insurance company is looking to make sure that they're paying the correct amount for the mm-hmm. visit visit bill, the doctor should be able to substantiate the severity of your illness at the level um, of expertise and all that went into the visit. So you can't, the doctor can't just charge a high level for the visit. The doctor mm-hmm. has to document, he has to earn it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And earning it means that he has to be able to show what he did. And one of the most important things is the history of present illness. So basically that just means, why are you here today? Mm. Now, these are the eight elements. Number one, severity. If you have a problem, how severe is it? Consider a 10, on a scale of one to 10, a 10 would be childbirth or a broken bone. One would be, uh, no big, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Number two is location, be specific. Don't just say I have belly pain you have organs all over your belly. Is the pain in the upper right, the lower right, the upper left, the lower left, around the navel? Where exactly Mm -hmm. is the pain? The duration, how long have you endured the problem? For instance, doc, I've had this problem off and on for three months. The timing is a little different from the duration. Mm -hmm. Doc, I've had the problem off and on three three months, but each time I have the problem, it lasts 30 to 40 minutes. Mm. So those things were important. Associated signs and symptoms. What else have you noticed? For instance, if you have belly pain, have you noticed that your stools are loose? Are they black? For a doctor, black stools means Mm. there's a strong chance of bleeding internally. Mm -hmm. The quality. Is it a sharp pain? Is it a dull burn? Burning, achy sensation? What exactly, how would you describe it? The modifying factors, what makes it better, what makes it worse. If you have a headache and you take an aspirin and 30 minutes later, you're much better. That says something. If two days later you've been taking aspirin as much as you can and Tylenol as much as you can and Mm -hmm. it's getting worse, that says something. And finally, the context. If you say, Doc, I have this severe pain, 10 over 10 pain in my back, Mm -hmm. but it started right after I lifted a heavy sofa. That context also tells them something. And so if you put those eight things together, that is going to help the doctor hone down the list of potential diagnoses, which means the doctor will be able to order fewer tests and procedures to understand what's going on. So you'll get a quicker diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You're less likely to have a lot of um, procedures and tests that may be expensive. Some of them have the potential, may have the potential to do harm. And you'll have 
fewer mm. prescription trials, so to speak, to see what works and what doesn't, because the doctor will have a handle on what's likely going on very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. That that does improve the communication. So my take on what you're saying is write down these questions or, or document uh, what you're going through before you visit your doctor. Absolutely. And uh, that, that way he's able to target uh, uh, the, the the issue, the health issue there. I like that. I like that. Uh, high blood pressure. Uh, I want you to know, Anne, that my high bl- my blood my blood pressure is high when I go to the doctor, but when I'm at home, it's normal. That's why you need the log because if you can show him it's <laughs> yeah. good at home, yeah. then he's going to say you have white coat hypertension. Yeah. But, and yeah. If you have a blood pressure cuff, take it with you so mm-hmm. you can check your blood pressure <laughs> after his assistant does, and then you can mm-hmm. verify that your cuff is indeed accurate, and he'll feel more comfortable saying, "This yeah. is white coat hypertension." Yes. In fact, that's what I did. I, I made a log of it and he looked at it. A three week log is what I did. Uh-huh. And he looked at it. It was normal. Yeah. So I guess it's just a, I don't know what do you call it, psychological, I guess. Uh, it's not so much physiological issue when your blood goes up when you're at the doctor. What did you call it? A white coat what? We call it white coat hypertension, meaning when people see white coats, they see doctors, <laughs> they get stressed. When oh, they're stressed, yeah. the blood pressure goes up. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's stress it, it, to raise your blood pressure. Yeah, so it's it's psychological, obviously. Then, yeah, you know, um, I went to my doctor this last time. Um, he's a new one. Uh, I say doctor, but really, what he is, he is a PA. Mm-hmm. Is that the trend today, uh, Anne? Fortunately, we do have plenty of advanced practice providers, physician uh-huh. assistants. Um, nurse practitioners and their others as well mm-hmm. and they play a crucial role in our healthcare system there just are not enough doctors to see all the patients we have exactly. there are certain things mm-hmm. that they can most assuredly do an excellent job in no they may not be able to perform brain surgery but right. a lot of things they can do and um, even in the intensive care unit the ER uh, the doctor's office Um, These individuals are highly trained to do a lot. Mm -hmm. And I used to work side by side with quite a few. And there are some that I personally would be happy to see if I were hospitalized because they were that good. How about that? Well, this fellow here, uh, this PA, um, uh, we got along pretty good. I I haven't seen my doctor yet, literally. I have not seen him. Uh, But the PA, he was very good, very professional, very sharp as a tack. Yes. You know, and uh, we, we got along and uh, he answered my questions. And fortunately, I'm, he, he kept saying, I'm in good health. I'm in good health. Well, I'm, I'm glad of that, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't take any medication at this point. I'm in my mid-60s, Ann. Awesome. And, and so far. No so medication. That's no great. No medication, yeah. Uh, but I, I I take care of myself. Uh, so I, I, obviously that's paying off for me a little bit there. So let's say I, I want to change doctors for some reason. You know, people do that. Uh, how do I research a good potential new doctor or PA? Well, I'd say if you have employer-sponsored health insurance, or if you have health insurance yes. in general, the first thing would be to look on the panel of providers. There are certain uh-huh. insurance companies that do not require you to have a referral. There are certain ones that will yes. assign you to a primary care doctor. So that's important. Who's on the panel unless you don't mind paying out of pocket? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
then ask for referrals. If you, if there's not an issue with whom you can see, ask people whom you trust. Um, whom do you see and what do you think? Keep in mind that the person who is perfect for your neighbor or your sister may not be perfect for you. So get several recommendations. You can go online, put that doctor's information, the name in, and there are various sites that will have patient reviews. Now keep in mind, sometimes patients um, are more likely to post a review after a bad experience, but Mm -hmm. very often there are some extremely positive reviews of the doctor. So if the doctor has a lot of reviews, 15, 20, 30, and there's a trend, most of them are very good, that tells you something. Likewise, you can get rid of the outliers um, as far as dissatisfaction. If there are a lot of them and consistently they're low, that Mm -hmm. tells you something. Mm -hmm. Also, you want to check for board certification. So you can check to see if your doctor's board certified. You can check with your state medical board to get more information on their site as far as malpractice suits, any reprimands from the state medical board. Those things are all important. And when you go to see your doctor, what I would do is, is make a list of a few potential doctors. Once you determine whom you want to see, you see that doctor, that is your interview with the doctor. You're interviewing the doctor. What is important to you? With that doctor, do you want a doctor who's very attentive, who listens a lot, who is um, talkative? I mean, what is important to you? What's the staff like? Mm-hmm. And because you're not going to just be dealing with the doctor, you're going to be dealing with the staff as well. Is the staff rude? How long is it for a routine follow-up visit? Um, how long did you expect to wait if you need some medication um, called in? Mm-hmm. List what you need in a doctor and then see how many of those um, boxes you can check with that doctor. Mm-hmm. And if you go and it's not um, an, a, a feeling that this is going to be good for you, then it's okay. You go to number two on your list. You but go. you're interviewing somebody whom you're really trusting with your life. Yeah, so you that, need to make sure you feel comfortable. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a marriage, a, a medical marriage yes. there. And uh yeah, a, a lot lots has to do with the insurance, whether it's an HMO, you're limited to the, the panel of doctors, as you indicate, or a PPO, that type of insurance, you can go ahead and select uh, what doctor you want, you know, so a lot of it hangs on that, so uh, I can appreciate what you're saying. But sometimes uh, things do happen. This has never happened to me before, but you end up in the emergency room. Anything we need to know about that? Oh, yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's a whole chapter of um, the book that really deals with the hospital because oh. yes. hospitalizations, they're scary, and a lot of people don't understand what they're getting into. So if you end up mm. in the emergency room, um, if it's something that is not dire and uh, you have mm-hmm. time, pick up. I mean, not only do you want your insurance card, but take things that you want to read. You may be in there for hours. You go to the ER, you'll get triaged. They'll assess you, check your vitals and so forth. And if you're sitting there for a while and you start to feel worse, then let them know because there may be a situation in which things have changed. Your vital signs may be changing. And once they reassess you, maybe they're going to need to pull you back quicker. So you Mm -hmm. go to the ER, your triage when you get back um pay attention to whom you're seeing you may see an md you may see a physician assistant an np 
whatever the case may be, know the names of the people that you're seeing and exactly who they are, what their mm -hmm. specialties are. Mm -hmm. If you end up needing to stay in the hospital, ask, what is my status? Am I an inpatient? Am I officially admitted? Or am I in the observation status? Oh, that can have yeah. tremendous implications because if you go into the hospital, let's say that you've been having some vomiting and diarrhea, you're a little bit dehydrated, sure. chances are you may be put in the observation status. So you're put in a room, you get IV fluids, you get a few more tests done, you go home the next day. Then um, with observation, the observation status, based on your insurance company, you may pay uh, for your IV fluids, your Tylenol, you may mm -hmm. pay a significant um, percentage of that bill. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a matter of the doctor saying, oh, this is a nice patient. Let me write the inpatient order. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. um, there are national guidelines that providers have to follow. And if they admit you to the hospital as a quote unquote inpatient, and you obviously did not meet those national guidelines, you go home based on the contract your hospital has with the insurance company, the hospital may not get paid anything. And so it's important for everybody to be compliant with the rules set forth. And so you want to know, because for instance, if you are feeling a little bit under the weather, but you know, I can go home, my spouse can help take care of me and the doctor feels that you're safe and you want to go home and, and not spend that extra day in the hospital, mm -hmm. financially that could be huge for you. Mm -hmm. If you're not safe, you're not going home anyway. But if, you, if you're on the fence and you know I'm an observation status, I can probably do okay at home. And if the doctor feels um, that you could do okay at home, the doctor might discharge you. Whereas if you say, you know, doc, I want an extra day in the hospital and you're on the fence in his mind as well, the doctor may keep you in the hospital another day. And then that mm -hmm. is another day's charges. So mm -hmm. know what your status is and just work with the doctor the best you can. Mm -hmm. If you have problems with medications, don't just refuse them. Ask what they're for and tell your doctor the side effects you had. Mm -hmm. So maybe he can just write for something else. There you go. You are listening to Your Lot and Parcel podcast. We invite you to tell a friend and to leave a rating and your commentary. We thank you in advance. We are visiting with a board-certified internal medicine physician today, and she is highlighting her book, Patient Empowerment 101, More Than a Book, It's an Adventure. It is chock-full of fillable forms to record every doctor visit and your medication. And the link is found in the show notes for you to learn more. And let's get back with her. Here she is, Dr. Ann Hester. Um, let me ask you this. We haven't talked about this, but this has been my personal observation. When you go to the hospital, uh, I've seen it. Uh, uh, Where you take priority, I guess you called it triage, uh, if you show up by ambulance, does that make a difference? Yes. I would think so, yeah. Because if you show up by ambulance, then um, the paramedics, first of all, are going to do your vitals. They're going to do all of that, right. all of those things before you even get to the hospital. So they may call ahead and say, I have this person coming. The blood pressure is extremely low. So they're expecting you. They'll make a room for you. Um, 
if you go and all your vitals are stable and the paramedics aren't quite as concerned, mm-hmm. at least you've already had your first triage. Yes. Um, and so when you get to the hospital, you may or may not um, need to go back quickly. But if there's any concern, if you have chest pain, if you have stroke-like symptoms, mm-hmm. don't drive yourself to the hospital. No, Call the paramedics. Yes, yes. absolutely. So, um, no, those are, those are very good points, uh, Anne. And by the way, let's say you do get admitted into the hospital. Um, you, t- you speak about staying safe in the hospital. In, in what sense, Anne? Well, there are several things. Uh-huh. Number one is a blood clot that starts in your leg mm. and travels to your lung can be fatal. Sometimes the first indication that you have a blood clot is when the code goes off overhead. There's a cardiac arrest in room 342 and everybody runs. Mm -hmm. At that point, it might be too late, but your doctor might not have any idea that you developed a blood clot until it's too late. There are things that we do to decrease the risk of blood clots and they have a dramatic impact. When you're Mm -hmm. admitted, ask, what is the plan to decrease my risk of a blood clot? Based on the perceived risk, the doctor may order injections. Mm -hmm. They are small injections um, in your belly, and they can dramatically decrease the risk of blood clots. You might need pumps on your legs Mm -hmm. to pump the blood back up to your heart to decrease your risk of blood clot. Or if the doctor feels you're safe to walk around and you're not considered high risk, the doctor may just say, okay, uh, walk around the wars or your room yes. regularly. Yes. So there are different levels of things that doctors do to decrease the risk of blood clots. Mm-hmm. And typically there are systems put into place, so that's not overlooked, but systems can fail. Oh, yes. So when you are admitted, ask specifically, what's the plan to decrease my, decrease my risk of blood clots? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is some people, once they get a bladder catheter placed, they don't want to get it taken out because they don't want to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that a catheter in the bladder can increase your risk of a urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. That can prolong your hospitalization, but even more importantly, Infections in the bladder can spill to the bloodstream, which can cause you to go into shock and it can potentially be fatal. You don't want the catheter in your bladder if you don't need it. If the doctor feels you can get up and walk to the bathroom, then do so. Mm -hmm. If you want a bedside commode, ask for one. If you feel, you know, I really need somebody to walk with me, push the button. And, mm-hmm. and ask for assistance getting to the bathroom or the bedside commode. You know, and sometimes people just use the bedpan. Yes. But don't be so enamored with the convenience of having a bladder catheter that you put yourself at risk of something mm-hmm. potentially catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Another thing is when you have an IV, and particularly those large IVs under the collarbone, Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes they're in the groin, but typically we don't use the groin that often. But under the collarbone uh, or um, in that area, then you can develop a bloodstream infection Mm. if the bacteria can get from the outside into the catheter area Mm. and into the bloodstream. And so you don't want to be fidgeting 
with your IB lines. You don't, your, your hands are not sterile. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, don't play around with the tubing. You know, maybe if you need to move it a little bit to the left or the right for comfort and it's not right at the site where it enters the body, that's one thing. But don't manipulate the site where mm -hmm. it enters the body. You don't, you want the area to be as clean as possible. Mm -hmm. because bloodstream infections from the catheter are another cause of potentially preventable um, fatalities in the hospital. Exactly. So uh, would that also include um, uh, staph infections such as MRSA, that sort of thing? Yes, yeah. staph, staphylococcal bacteremia, absolutely. Yeah. MRSA, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and so, and remember staph, Staph is every place. You have oh, staph on your oh skin, gosh, yes. you can oh. carry it in your nostrils. Absolutely. And so yeah. it's very easy to get a staph infection. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep your hands as clean as possible and just don't manipulate things. And when people come to visit your relatives, mm -hmm. uh, your friends, make sure they wash their hands when they come in and when they leave. They can use the sanitizer on the wall. But you do not want them bringing germs into your room, nor do you want them taking hospital germs home and getting themselves sick. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I had a couple of friends that did contract MRSA and uh, didn't go well. So, uh, yeah, you, got, you have to be very, very conscious about staying clean. Absolutely. Um, you also speak about technology it, that it can improve our health and over the the. the time of the COVID, uh, the telemedicine came into play. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I think I did that just for once. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this topic? I think that there are certain times that telemedicine is incredible. If you have a minor rash, if you have a yet another sinus infection, if you mm -hmm. have bad allergies, certain things, yes, telemedicine can save you the trip to the other side of town and rush hour can save you the gas, can save you the time. Mm -hmm. You can hop on the computer, talk to a doctor, in a few minutes get a prescription card into your pharmacy for something non-urgent. Yes, that can be great. It is not for chest pain or stroke symptoms or anything severe, mm -hmm. but certainly the minor things, uh, absolutely, I think they're great. And if you live in a rural community or you live in a, a uh, someplace like, like Manhattan, and it's gonna be cumbersome sure. to get from point A to point B, or basically any place, right. I think it's certainly worth considering. And that is something that, you know, is a very positive thing when used mm. correctly. If you get on with a telemedicine doctor and the doctor is like, oh my gosh, you need to call 911, mm. you know, you've wasted time, but sometimes you may not know that. Mm. But generally anything minor, um, that you don't feel an urgency with, mm -hmm. such as, again, a sinus infection, mild flu, mild cold, another bout of bronchitis, very mild asthma, things like that, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, technology has come a long way. You I just need so. to make sure that you're using it appropriately. I think so. The, that, that one time I uh, had that uh, episode, uh, telemedicine, was just to go over my lab work. And uh, mm -hmm. it was very, very easy and simple. And we we're able to discuss that. Um, but it would seem to me, though, I mean, there are times where the doctor needs to have his hands on you, just feel, you know, Absolutely. this or that, you know. So it just depends, uh, you know, what's the, the what the issue is, apparently. Yes, it does. So, but I, I do like that telemarketing, uh, tel telemarketing, telemedicine. <laughs> 
Excuse me. <laughs> I was a telemarketer before I went into medicine. I guess so. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Uh, but anyway, at any rate, I... Uh, um, then you also speak about developing your own personal um, health uh, records. Uh, yes. Why, why is that uh, so? Why is that necessary, you think? Oh, on many different levels. For mm. instance, if you go to see a new doctor and your new doctor does not have your records, you're mm -hmm. going to sign a release of records form and the doctor... Um, the, the staff will likely fax it over or whatever way they would have to send it over to your old doctor. You have to wait mm -hmm. for that staff to receive it and get around to sending records back. And what if the doctor's on vacation or the, the office is closed for a few days? You, you don't want to have to wait on anybody. If you have your own medical records, you walk into the doctor's office, you have a list of your medical problems, you have a list mm -hmm. of your drug allergies, you have a list of your hospitalizations, your family history, all of those things in a three ring binder, you're going to go a long way, your old EKG, your hospital discharge summaries, you can hand your doctor a world of information and you can expedite your care. I have a whole chapter in the book, um, mm -hmm. Patient Empowerment 101, regarding medical records. And I have all of the charts that you need to fill out in the book. And something else that I did is I developed a website where you can go. If you have the book, you'll you'll be given the web pages within patientempowerment101.com to go to download all of these. Mm. And so there were documents. So mm. you click and you download a document it comes up in Word format. You can fill in the charts. You can save it. You can transfer it to your flash drive. You can print it. Um, I do recommend that people get a three-ring binder with tabs and print mm -hmm. all of these charts. And I go over in the book how to develop the medical record, what things are important. So when you walk into the doctor's office mm -hmm. or you're going for an ER visit, whatever the case may be, you will have a concise record right in front of you to hand to your doctor. He can see everything from your last heart test to, mm -hmm. you know, important lab tests to your advanced directives, all of those things. So you don't want to leave that up to chance or you don't want to be so focused in on the portal that you have now with your current insurance company mm -hmm. that if your insurer changes and you don't have access to that portal, you're up a creek. You don't yes, yes. want to rely on technology that you don't own. Mm -hmm. You will own your own copy of personal health records. And something else that I do have on my site, patientempowerment101.com, is mm -hmm. I have a way you can download a free mini medical record. So if you scroll to the bottom, just download it. It has everything from your medical history, your medications, allergies, your doctor's contact information, all of that. Um, you can download it and print it. You can turn it over and print the other side if you need the extra space. Mm -hmm. But like that old American Express commercial, don't leave home without it. That's what I say about your medical records because oh. you don't know how your day is going to go. You may leave, you may go to dinner with a friend, the paramedics mm -hmm may end up picking you up, taking you to the hospital, and you don't have anything other than your wallet. Pull mm. it out of your wallet, give it to the doctor, and that can go a tremendously long way at helping the doctor give you safe care yeah. and expedite things. I can see that, especially if you go abroad, you know. It, uh, Absolutely. My, my gosh. Every place you go. Yeah. You just never know what to expect. 
no, no, we, no, life is a variable event. So you just, you never know. Um, and prepare yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in filling out these forms, let me ask you, let's say if I have a question about a certain uh, health, uh, just hypothetically here, and I'm not sure how to, you know, answer that question there. Can the doctor give you a copy of uh, whatever you might need? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. All right. You can request a copy of your medical records. Okay. Okay. And so what I have a lot of quotes from from different doctors in the book. There's a cardiologist mm-hmm. who recommends snapping a, a, a picture of your EKG and putting it in the notes section of mm-hmm. your phone. So if you end up in the ER, the doctor can see your EKG immediately. And if that happens and what he's seeing on the current EKG is similar to the old EKG, you Mm -hmm. might not end up getting exposed to blood thinners, which can be dangerous. And if you don't need it, you don't want it. I can see that. How often should these records be updated? Whenever anything new happens, for instance, Uh, if you get a new EKG, you want a copy of it. If you go to the hospital, then you want a copy of your hospital discharge summary. Uh, It may not be ready when you leave, but ask before you leave how you get a copy of your discharge summary. You get that copy, Mm -hmm. you uh, put three holes in it, and you stick it in your medical record. Wow, that's great. Yes, I call that organization. That's great. Uh, And those are good, really good points. Yeah. And um, you indicated your your websites. Again, can you repeat that so that my audience can contact you or or download these forms? Certainly. Um, PatientEmpowerment101.com. And so anybody, I have a complimentary copy of the mini medical record um, within the book. The book is called Patient Empowerment 101, More Than a Book is an Adventure. Mm-hmm. And it's free to read on Kindle. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read the book for free and you will still get access to the inside of the website that has the pages where you can take quizzes, uh, watch videos, download forms for your medical records. And I have uh, 11 questionnaires, everything from abdominal pain, fever, diarrhea, and so forth. Common reasons you would go to see a doctor. I have a list of questions, the frequently asked questions that we're going to want to know. So when you go, when you get sick, let's say you have belly pain, you can download this or you can look in the book itself and you can start focusing on the questions that doctors typically will ask about that symptom. So when you go in and see the doctor, you're all ready. You don't sit on the examining room table. Mm -hmm trying to recall things when you're cold and sick and mad, the doctor's an hour behind schedule, mm-hmm. you will have already thought through these things before he opens the door. And go. that will help expedite your care and mm-hmm. help um, dwindle down the potential diagnoses and help you get a diagnosis quicker when you can do mm-hmm. that. Well, that's great. That's very, very clever. And uh, I must say, it, it tells me a lot about you and as a person, uh, um, you know, the nobility, and it's admirable that, that you have this for folks out there to download and, and learn and be prepared for the unexpected, you know, so that's, I uh, that's, that. that's, that's wonderful. And I, I, it was a, an absolute pleasure having you on my show today, and I want to thank you again, and, and I wish you the very, very best. I thank you so much for having me.
thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org. We trust you will sponsor our informative podcast with your generosity. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.